Parenting is often lived in the extremes. It's either great joy or chaotic overwhelm. In one moment, you're nailing it, and the next, you're losing your cool. I want to help you find your way to the messy middle, to a place of balance. You see, balance is a verb, not a state of being. It is a thing you do, not a thing you are. It is an action, a process, a series of micro-corrections that you make each and every day to keep yourself feeling centered. We are never truly balanced. We are engaged in the process of balancing. Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and this is the Balanced Parent Podcast, where overwhelmed, stressed out, and disconnected parents go to find tools, mindset shifts, and practices to help them stop yelling at the people they love and start connecting on a deeper level, all delivered with heaping doses of grace and compassion. Join me in conversations that will help you get clear on your goals and values and start showing up in your parenting, your relationships, your life with open-hearted authenticity and balance. Let's go. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Laura Froyan, and on this episode of the Balanced Parent Podcast, we are going to talk about a topic that is really important, how to ask for what you need in your relationships and in your life so that you can have an easier life, a life that's more fulfilling and meaningful and intentional and supportive of you. And this seems like a really simple thing. You know, it seems like something that we should just be able to do and it's actually quite complicated. And so to help me with this conversation, I'm bringing in a friend and colleague, Kirsten Kirsteiger, and she is going to help us figure this out for ourselves. So Kirsten, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Hi, thanks for having me on. Yeah, <laughs> who am I? I am Kirsten. I am a scientist who turned life and leadership coach because I got more and more interested in people. <laughs> like the, the higher I went in my education, the more I noticed what is really missing, especially in science, is to know how to work with people. Like mm-hmm. scientists are usually really good at so- solving problems, doing yeah. experiments, but not so good at having conversations, right? <laughs> how to engage people. So I got really interested in that and I became a Jenna certified emotional intelligence practitioner. And this is what I'm bringing now to working moms, be it for their families. Like I am a huge proponent of moms asking for what they need and bringing the family together as a team. So mm-hmm. kind of stepping into a leadership position and you know, managing the home in a way where you empower others. And the other thing I do is I want to help or I'm helping scientist moms create better work cultures through their taking on their own leadership training in emotional intelligence. So those are the two things that I'm doing. Very cool. Well, I know we have a lot of scientist moms who listen to this podcast, which is, you know, super fun because we get to nerd out on, you know, lots of sciencey things related to child development. Um, but I am really excited to have this kind of more broad conversation about asking for what we need in our relationships and our families. I love this idea of seeing our position as parents in the family as a leadership position um, and how to kind of get our family working together as a team. I think that 
we get bogged down a lot in guilt as parents. And I, I know you work specifically with moms, but you know, lots of our listeners identify in, in various other ways. And so, and I, I think it's kind of across the board, there's this idea that we have to kind of do it all and be it all. And I'm, so we're thinking about, okay, so we've got a parent here who's feeling really overwhelmed, really run down, like they are carrying the load of the whole family. What's the first step? How do we kind of get started on starting to share some of the load and, and moving out of that place of overwhelm and doing it all? Well, first, I want to say that I totally identify with everything you said. <laughs> when I became a mom, it was the same. Like I, we did heavily lean into attachment parenting. I felt the need to have a deep connection. And it was part of my healing that I had to do, that, which I realized later. But it was really, I wanted to be there for my kids. I wanted to be everything. I wanted to, I don't know, you know, create those deep relationships. But I did it in a way of attachment parenting where I did not take myself into account. Mm. Where I gave all the time the first few years. And like you said, I felt guilty that it was never enough. I felt mm. crappy that with my first, I went back to work and I was not there for him, that I only saw him evenings, mornings and weekends. So I think overall, I think there is this huge guilt mm. in, in motherhood, whatever you do, because with my second kid, I was a stay-at-home mom and I still felt guilty. I felt <laughs> guilty that I couldn't do anything for myself. Like, I was like, hey, I had a career going. I, I was a scientist and now I feel like I can't even get through my day kind of oh. thing. Oh, so, so that's something that I want to start out with. I was totally there. I had no idea how to take care of myself in those early childhood years. I think and... what you're saying resonates probably with all of our listeners. This kind of just... There's no way for moms to win, I think, sometimes in our in our culture, in our society. No matter what we do, we're doing something wrong. We are hard on ourselves. The world is hard on ourselves and judges us. It's it's an it incredibly is. difficult thing. And, and I know dads get it too. It is heavy on moms. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally yeah. think so. And maybe some of it is self. 100%. You know, we put it on ourselves. Yes. We want to be the perfect mom and we want to get everything right and we want to set our kids up for success. And then there's so much information overload that this is how you do it and this and that. And you're not mm -hmm. doing it right if you do that. So, so yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so now, what I, my, my own journey was to first, the very first thing that I did is I needed to get out of sleep deprivation. <laughs> So what I did on Sundays, I started sleeping in and I had my husband take over the kids. So that was for me. And then I started doing self more self-care, like yoga again. And I love mm -hmm. the mountain bike. So as my kids got older, it really became easier. And actually now I feel like I have to do it this way. We also homeschool. So it's now our whole family dynamic has shifted. So we spend a lot of time at home. And, and it comes back to this kind of leadership. I see myself now as living my life as fully as I can so that my kids can see that a mom can live a full life. I'm also a big believer that they're not learning for life. They're not getting ready for life. They are living life already. Mm -hmm. and, and so we want to treat them like that. So having boundaries with my kids 
-hmm. And setting expectations is something that I think is normal. If we want to live together, we have to find a way how to do this in a respectful yeah. way, in a way where everybody feels like their needs are met. And, mm -hmm. and so I think oftentimes as moms, what we do is we think of our kids' needs. We only think about them. Yeah. We think about how to set them up for success. What do they need? Where do I want them to go to school? Whatever, you know, how to prep, prep them. Yeah. But what we really should do is, first of all, create an environment where they can make choices mm -hmm. and take on their own small decisions, right? The more... <laughs> and responsibility for their, their lives, which they want and crave. You know, I just want to jump in. One of the things that I, you're speaking to the figuring out how to balance the needs of a, of a whole family and something that for me as a, a social scientist that has always helped me is Maslow's hierarchy of needs and really coming to understand that most parents who are feeling really burnt out are prioritizing higher order needs of their children over their basic needs. So we have these, you know, the, at the bottom of this pyramid of hierarchy of needs, there's these basic needs for sleep, food, you know, physical shelter, warmth, you know, safety, and, and they move up through, and at the top, there's these kind of creative needs, you know, the need for purpose and all of those things. And oftentimes, you know, when we are really hungry, and we get up five times, because our kid doesn't want the red cup and they want the blue cup and, and and when we're doing that we're putting our kids creative needs for expression self-expression of I really want the blue cup today you know that's a self-expression need that's a higher order need and we're putting that above our our basic need for food and sustenance you know and so I like for me the the that hierarchy of needs really helps me understand where do I need to have a boundary because if I haven't eaten all day I'm not going to be a good mom and so the boundary that needs to be honey bunch, of course, if you want a blue cup, you're welcome to go get your blue cup. I'm going to sit down and eat this. And once I've had a few bites of food and I feel my tummy's not rumbling so much, then I'm happy to get you a cup. So you can either wait or you can go get it yourself and, and set the environment up for success. So if, if you're going to expect them to get their own cups, put the cups down low so they can go get it. Put a small pitcher of water on the table, table so they can fill it up, you know, use the environment as your helper. I mean, it's okay for us to be hungry and eat. <laughs> yes, 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 absolutely. And yeah, it can get, go so deep. Yes. <laughs> it goes as deep as, for example, when we used to go out, eat out, mm -hmm. which my family doesn't do a whole lot, but my kids never got kids plates. Like we usually used regular menu items, but then I would choose something that they would eat and then I would eat that. And I stopped doing that, for example. Mm. I, I order my food now. I'm not food anymore. that you want to eat. Exactly, because my husband always ordered his food. He didn't he didn't even think this way, right? It's, of course it's not. not. It's not against him. Nothing against him. He has all the right to eat his own food, but I had the same right and I didn't even know. I didn't think that I was important enough for something, you know. So so yeah, those things mm -hmm. run really deep. And we want to be as I think as women, usually we are very good at giving. Mm -hmm. And we are really, you know, it, it, I don't know, I think it's a trait that we have, generally speaking, that we give more easily and, and it, it fills us, I guess, because we have a stronger need for, for giving. Mm -hmm. But yeah, just like you said, the boundaries are super important. 
and your kid is not going to be upset about a boundary like that. I mean, they might be in the moment, right? They, it depends on but the there's not a damaging boundary. It's not, it's not damaging your, your relationship. And so what has helped my family a lot, like you said, the environment, we did a lot of, and we still follow Montessori principles. I think it's a philosophy. It's not mm -hmm. an education, yeah. it's a philosophy. So we had our environment set up. Our home was had, had always low shelves. They always could do their own things. And I think as moms or as parents right now, we have this idea of needing to help and needing to be there for our kids all the time. Whereas I see them as more capable. I think mm. we have to identify, I mean, we have to identify the skills that they can learn and do by themselves, which in the beginning might be slow, right? We might need to help and we might need to be there, but it's almost like a piggy bank. You're saving up <laughs> until they become more independent. I have now kids that are eight and five mm -hmm. and my son started making pancakes if at night he loves to eat a smoothie and in the beginning it was always hey ma'am can you make a smoothie for me and I'm like well you know exactly how to use the blender you know where to get the frozen fruit you know where to get the yogurt and so he does it himself now so we really have to teach some skills and they are so proud of themselves they I'm love like, it <laughs> a three-year-old I started making checklists for packing because we do travel quite a lot or go camping and so I used to be the one who did everything Mm -hmm. And then I was like, no, it's so much on me. We didn't go camping as often as we wanted to because I was stressed out already days before. Yeah. <laughs> Not being able to get the things together or worrying about everybody's stuff. So I started making checklists and my daughter has been packing her own bag since three years old. Mm -hmm. So I put like visuals there. I put the numbers, how many for if we go a week or if we go a weekend. And she's been doing it and she's beaming. Yeah, they feel so good and so accomplished. And I think like they are an important part of the family. Everyone wants to feel included. Everyone wants to feel like there is a place for them in a family. Yes. And creating that culture of, of in this family, we help each other out. In this family, we've got each other's backs. In this family, we, you know, it takes teamwork to make the dream work. Like that's just what exactly. we do here. Yeah. And it's it's beautiful. I think one of the things that, lots of parents run into, um, particularly moms, is that there's this sense of it's just easier to just do it myself. There, you know, that, and I'm kind of curious what you think about that. I think it's a short-eyed view. Like, it's really short-term, it's easier and faster. And, and that's but, true. It is easier and faster, short-term. Mm -hmm. But long-term, you have to look at, I always ask my clients like what are the values what are the things you want to kind of teach your kids right like what is it you want to your, your life to look like and the values and, and what you want to share with your kids let's let's say like this and so when we look at what we want our kids to become mm -hmm. it is very very different than when we look at today this is where we are right because Right now, it's not important for you. Right now, you want to get out of the door so you're on time, for example. Mm -hmm. But looking ahead, you want to have a kid that is capable of solving problems, a kid that is capable of negotiating, mm -hmm. that is not afraid to talk to adults and, and voice their opinion. 
you want a kid that is a critical thinker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want a kid that has, you know, skills. Eventually, it all comes back to mental health. You know, <laughs> it's it's just so important because those are the things that make us feel valued. Yeah, those absolutely. are the things that, that make us be, you know, we are social creatures, some more than others, right? I mean, there's, in, I mean, in my family, we have introverts and extroverts. And I know that I need more rest mm-hmm. and more me time, <laughs> but my kids are very extroverted, but I, we have found a way where we can make that happen, mm-hmm. for example. So it's, it's all about creating opportunities for everybody to be and hone into the person they are really. Okay. So in that vein, I think that the, another thing that I hear from parents that, especially again, moms where it's really hard to ask for what they need because they don't even know they've been cut off for so long from even like the, the possibility of having needs. They've been pushed their needs to the side so long. They don't, they don't even know what it is that they want and need. How do you go about getting kind of back in touch with that, figuring out what is it that I need? I think we're coming back to the Maslow's pyramid. (laughs) Basically, (laughs) in the beginning, you have to look at your basic needs because until your basic needs are not met, you can't really think about anything else that would create higher fulfillment, right? Mm -hmm. Like I said, for me, it was sleeping. I really needed to start at sleeping. Food was not so much a problem. Shelter was not a problem for me. What was a problem for me was time to myself. Mm-hmm. Like I feel, and now with COVID, for example, <laughs> towards the like year and a half in, <laughs> I suddenly felt really, really burned out because I think I'm doing a lot of things right, but being limited in the amount that I can be by myself mm-hmm. has been weighing heavy on me. And, and I've been noticing that. So for anybody who doesn't know what they need right now, I think it's just noticing how you feel, mm-hmm. noticing how in different situations, how, when are you feeling like really stable, mm-hmm. really calm? And when are you feeling really triggered and, and, and really noticing if, is there a certain pattern? Is there something I haven't slept well three nights in a row? I'm very much more, I don't know, easily triggered. I, 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 Dan Siegel says, flip my lid. Like yes, I, yeah. I, I just, you know, I'm much more reactive. Mm-hmm. I can't be buffering others because with kids, we need a lot of buffering their emotions. Mm-hmm. And so when we, when we don't have this capacity to buffer, then we start yelling. Then we start taking things away, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which doesn't help anybody. No, never. <laughs> <laughs> and then we feel guilty about it. <laughs> Right, of course, because we just needed that extra layer. (laughs) Anyway, so start noticing when you feel good, like Mm -hmm. if you have your cup of tea in the morning quietly before the kids get up, does this fuel you? Is a five-minute shower not enough? Then it's not enough. Then you got to ask for more. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So noticing those different patterns that come up, noticing your feelings, writing that down. If If you do journal it is a wonderful way to to discover that. Yeah, I think once you are starting to do it, you really can incorporate it more easily because you you, you see the positive effects of it, right? 
but yeah, oftentimes I think sometimes you might even have to start by asking for a break, like getting a little bit of alone time to even feel yourself again, because I don't know, I only have two kids, but sometimes their energy is so strong that it is really hard to feel myself, right? Mm -hmm. That it's really, I, I really need to be in tune with myself and take this time away to again reassess how am I doing mm -hmm. how you know and one of the stories that I have is I, I love mountain biking like I said but with my first kid I went I started going mountain biking after he was I think a year old mm -hmm. <laughs> and it is a sport that you usually go for two to three hours yeah and so I was working at that time. I only saw him mornings and evenings and weekends. And now suddenly I started taking out three hours of the weekend that I could see him and I couldn't sustain it. I was like, this is, I can't do it because I was feeling so guilty for not seeing him for the rest of the time. So I stopped. Mm. And now that my kids got older, well, with my second kid, I actually found solutions to mm. bring her on my bike. Like I had um, a seat and she was on my bike um, since I think a year and a half old. That's and awesome. So we can also, get creative. Yes, you can, <laughs> yes. Get, you can, you can get mm -hmm. creative to, or I did, for example, another example would be the, our YMCA, they had a mom's workout in the park where we could bring the kids along perfect yeah so and and the, the cool thing that I started seeing when I started doing these things with my second one <laughs> <laughs> it's okay it takes time to learn these things for yourselves and that's why we're so glad to have resources like this podcast and yours where maybe people can learn and get a little bit of a shortcut so it doesn't take you know getting to the second and third kid to get it figured out but it does take time it does take time and it's okay it's okay yeah. that and, it takes and... time and so with my second kid, what I learned through all these things that I was doing is that I was, well, I was a better mom. I was feeling better, but also I suddenly saw her doing push-ups or doing mm. like, the, you know, because she saw me in the park taking care of my body. And so this is now how I see my self-care. I see my self-care as not time only that I spend for myself, but I see it as an, as an investment in health, as an investment in my, my body, my, you know, my mm -hmm. wellness. And the kids pick up on that. Yeah, absolutely. So, and and so for people who are for moms or parents who think that they don't have the time, I really want them to reassess all the things they do and get clear on the values. Like, for example, we like I said, we homeschool, so we don't we don't do a lot of extracurriculars because I don't want to be the driver. Mm -hmm. I just don't. And. This is where we live. We need to drive our kids everywhere. There is hardly anything we can do walking distance or biking distance. So we have a rule that they have to choose. They can choose one extracurricular and we do family meetings. So then we, we would say like, where can we go? There's these different things. My, my daughter just started ballet. Mm. And so we, we went to three different studios. Everything had an, a pro and a con and then she had tests, um, not tests, trial classes and at each of them. And then I asked her, so which one did you like best? Where do you want to go? Mm -hmm. And and luckily she chose the cheapest one. <laughs> <laughs> but also it is convenient for us because it's not too far away and it's once a week. And so I'm able to do that. I'm able and willing to do that. So I just want to highlight some uh, some pieces of what your this example that you just shared because it's so beautiful. You identified your needs and concerns, and 
worked with your daughter to figure out how to get her needs and wants met and yours met and and engaged her in a process of self-reflection and figuring out what option was going to best be, meet her needs. What a skill set for a kid to have. I mean, so she's five. Is that right? She's five and a half. Yeah. Yeah. What a skill set for a five-year-old to have. The, I mean, the, these kids are, if we're doing this on a regular basis, modeling it ourselves and then engaging them in the process of being really discerning in the, like this idea that, hey, We've got a chance here to do what really fills us up, what lights us up, which feels good. Well, let's make a like a, a very intentional decision about where we take ballet classes. This is a kid who's going to have no trouble choosing between college and tech school or, you know, an apprenticeship or, you know, which college to go to and major. Like these are big decisions that she'll be so well prepared for. It's a beautiful approach. And it gives our family the opportunity to be intentional, right? Yeah. We really want. So we are actually we, uh, we have a situation right now. We are really struggling. <laughs> yeah. We were invited to a birthday party at a theme park, but it means that we have to get our tickets to the theme park, and it was not on our plan. Now my daughter really wants to go because it's one of her best friends from the two-day co-op that she goes to, <laughs> and so we we have been discussing like we didn't want to get in like a day ticket is almost like an annual pass and so we have been all these discussions we have had and so we like look guys this is not really where we wanted to put our money we wanted to get museum passes <laughs> <laughs> and we wanted to do different things also because the brother the big brother he doesn't like roller coasters so if we go to the theme park he's going to be bored and so anyways so we've been telling her that there is this option of getting, or both of my kids, there's the option of getting an annual pass for all, all the family members. But it would spend so much money that we could have used for something else. Or there's the option to only go for that day. And yeah, mm -hmm. it's going to be an expensive day, but then the rest of the money we can set, put towards the things mm -hmm. that we wanted to do. And so my eight and a half year old, he was like, yeah, it's kind of fun to go there, but I think one day would be enough. Mm -hmm. so so those are all options right we don't have we don't have to shield our kids and the older they get the more you can you can yeah. present problems like this um and they are really creative like our kids can come up with really good solutions that we often don't even think about because we are adults we have so much I don't know if you can say so much but we have more experiences right yeah. so we we predict things in a certain way Mm -hmm. depending on our past right uh, on our past experiences so we our predictions oftentimes look very different than the prediction a kid will make mm -hmm. so whatever I think whenever you can you can have those conversations of money time energy yeah. you want to spend what you are willing to spend as a, as a parent where they want to put their energy money and time Mm -hmm. And then find solutions that work for everybody because they will never live in isolation. Yeah. They will always have to negotiate. They will always have to find solutions that work for more than one person. And yes, sometimes we take turns. Sometimes one person's take the, the, the front stage kind of, mm -hmm. right? We're more, we, we're putting more energy on one person and then on the other. And it's a conversation that we are having with our kids, like, Sometimes my kids don't want to go outdoors, but we do. And then we say, well, today, this is what we're going to do because we really need it. 
and whenever they are outdoors they actually they love it right it's of course just, yes they just can't imagine it and we do a little bit of visualization with them sometimes like when they're really really i don't want to go then <laughs> we're like well remember how last time you didn't want to go and then once you were at the park you were hanging from trees you were meeting <laughs> other friends so so those things then help right but but it absolutely you can say hey today this is what we do because this is what we need as parents. Okay. Yeah. There's nothing, I think... I, there is no harm in that because other mm-hmm. days your kids take the front stage. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important and impactful for our kids to see us as humans who have needs and that it's okay for us to get them met. Yeah. I yeah. mean, imagine you had a kid that would always be the one that's right. That would always, you know, I mean, it's going to be think... impossible for them to get along with anybody. Well, I think a lot of us grew up, I think, with parents who, and moms especially, who just kind of laid themselves on the altar of motherhood and were martyrs for us and, and never asked for anything and did it all and, and did it with a smile on their face. And then I think that that's why lots of us experience so much guilt. And of course they did it because they're loving and wonderful mothers. They, they're beautiful and there's no, n- nothing negative about them. But one of the reasons why I can ask for time to myself so easily is because my mom did that for me. I have very specific memories of her very playfully saying she would use this, that she was going to Australia because, <laughs> you know, it was the 80s and you, know, that long, you didn't do long distance phone calls. And so if you needed something, you had to send her a postcard. <laughs> And so she would pretend she was in Australia and we couldn't talk to her. Um, she would do this while she was reading a magazine or while she was paying bills so she could concentrate. But she really firmly set this very playful boundary of like, I am unavailable right now. You may not talk to me. And if you do talk to me, I will ignore you. <laughs> like it was, And it was playful and loving and kind. And it absolutely gave me permission to do the same with my kid. Because I never felt ignored by her or abandoned by her. I just got to see her enjoying reading a magazine. Like, she worked so hard in our family. She deserved a chance to lay on the couch and <laughs> read a magazine. We all do. Okay, so last question, because um, we're, we're wrapping up here. I always end up going much longer than I intend to. But I know that many of us, so I have been so fortunate that I have a partner who is willing kind of to step into the arena with me on some of these things, who's willing to see me as a whole person, who is worthy of <laughs> of time and rest and space and getting my needs met. Um, that's not the case for many moms um, who are married to men. Um, we grow up in patriarchy and women are affected by it and men are too, very negative to their own detriment. So for women who are maybe working with a partner who is awakening to the idea that, oh, women are allowed to have time off. Women are allowed to have needs. Are, do you have any tips for, for those those folks? Yeah, huh. that's a tough one because it is definitely very, very extended. So I think there is a rise in men who want to be more present. Of course, yes. I I think there is a lot of... The problem that I see is that these men still don't have the networks and the support that they need, I think. There's growing support around it, but it is still a vulnerable topic for them, I think. Just as an example, so I have folks that I know who are in really high up positions in some big tech companies, and two of them are married to each other. 
and they had a baby over this past year and the mom was encouraged to take her time and her leave and the dad works at a company that has great paternity leave but um it was communicated to him under under like the radar that if you take that leave you will be completely off track for promotions and it's really frowned upon for for men to use their paternity leave and so for a man who wants to be present wants to take that leave it, there, there's this cultural pressure you know what with work culture pressure but broader cultural pressure here in the u.s that it, it's really hard for them yeah it is i think it is getting better and from the corporate standpoint what we are seeing is that right now it's an era after like the covid shutdown a lot of people reassess their lives and their jobs mm-hmm. that companies who want to keep their valuable employees they really need to invest so employees are not looking for merely transactional <laughs> benefits anymore. i yeah. give my time and you give me money they are looking for meaning they're looking for being part of the mission they're looking to be valued and so at the moment is a really good time to reassess if you're in a job like that that treats you like that to to look for other companies mm-hmm that have better policies that are really actually not only on paper, but live policies. Yeah. Um, so that that's one thing on the corporate side. But um, I think that that applies a little bit to the, in the home too. I think that, you know, the men that I've spoken to on the podcast are hungry for that at home too. The shared meaning, shared purpose in the home, not being, you know, someone who just, you know, helps out with the kids, but having a real stakeholder position um, which men have been blocked out of at yes. at times in the home too. So I, I think that there is wisdom there for for us. And you know, like we can't do this without you. <laughs> you know, we, you know, yeah. th- what is it that you want? What do you want your home and your life to look like? And and really coming together in this like, look, we're in this for hopefully for the long haul, right? This is we chose each other. We chose these kids. It's they and the you know. And we get to choose now moving forward what it, what we want it to look like. Yeah, I, I think you're, you're totally on point here. I think there is a lot of us not letting them or <laughs> whenever, whenever I do like some of those questions on social media, I get a lot of they don't do it right. <laughs> I have to redo it. So I think moms have to rethink priorities kind of like like what does done mean, for example, mm-hmm. for us? Chores are still a huge friction point. And I always invite my people to to go through each person and make their own list of what, what they know needs to be done on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, or on a monthly basis, and then rate importance. Like, how important is this to me? And how likely am I, or how willing am I mm-hmm. to do this chore, for example? Because again, you give them choices, you, you empower each person. And then if, if there's a huge discrepancy, if there's like something that nobody wants to do, think maybe can we outsource? Mm-hmm. Can, we, can we do less of it or can we outsource? Or can we make an agreement that we one, one time you do it, another time I do it? And then really rethinking what does done mean? What does done look like? I do that with my kids. Like when they clean up their rooms, I say, what does done look like? Mm-hmm. And so they tell me, well, nothing on the on the floor, <laughs> for example, right? And, and things put into cubbies or 
So again, I think it is, and, and I think it comes back to, to us trying to help to be everything and, and partly a little bit of control. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, if we don't have control over anything, at least let me have control over the house. And, and I think we need to reframe that. We need to get control over our lives. And important are people, like right? people yeah. over, over things, for example. Like, do I need to have beautiful, sparkly kitchen every day? I don't, right? Like, mm-hmm. I need to be fed. I need to, to be, I, for me, connection time with my kids is more important than fighting over who does the dishes, for example. Mm-hmm. And I have caught myself rearranging the dishwasher because I can fit more things. And now I stop doing it. I'm like, what? <laughs> Why am I wasting time on this, right? It's done. It's done. I don't need to to rearrange. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's trust. It's trusting our partners that they can be there and a lot of conversations. I'm coming back to those family meetings. Usually we do, mm. my husband and I, we do meetings and it's all, you know, we don't, they don't look like very official anymore. With the kids, usually we sit down, mm-hmm. but it's really kind of keeping the communication going. Oftentimes, men don't even know what's going on like if you have kids in school all the school communication everything that's needed for that if it goes to your inbox it's below their radar they have no idea how much work you put in for school (laughs) that's why we have a family email address that our schools don't have access to our individual email addresses and we both have the family email address loaded onto our phones so that no, neither of us can <laughs> claim to be off <laughs> radar with those things for sure. Uh, you know, I think too that like I love this I, this idea of these ongoing conversations. You know, and approaching things from a team. So, you know, in in our house, we recognize that we both have needs. I have, you know, a need for walk and yoga, and I do a live class every Sunday at nine thirty. You know, and so we and my husband um in the summer and fall and spring as a golfer and in the winter he ice fishes and so those things take a long time you know four hours usually for ooh, for both of them and so we sit down and talk about okay so when are you gonna here's the weekend when are we gonna make sure you get your ice fishing in do you want to take the kids with you to go ice fishing or are they staying home with me this week because sometimes he wants to go by himself or with a buddy you know and sometimes he wants to take the kids and that's fine you know yeah. I love it when he takes the kids because then I get three hours by myself in my house and and welcome them home with hot chocolate. I'm the hero, you know, but, but yeah, I mean, I, it's the ongoing conversation and the, and the sense of like, your needs matter to me, my love. Let's make sure you get them met. And, and I assume the very best of you. I know that my needs matter to you and that you're going to do everything in your power to make sure they're met as opposed to this kind of like, I have to f- scrape and fight tooth and nail to get my needs met. This assuming like, you love me. Of course you want my needs met. I mean, we si- that's what we signed up for when we got, you know, if we're married and we took vows, you know, vowed to meet each other's needs, you know, to help each other have a full and fulfilling life. I know you're committed to that. And, and coming from that place of like, oh, honey, I know you love me so much. And I know you've been seeing me struggling. And part of the thing I think I really need is I need a chance to go for a walk every morning. So how can we make sure that's going to happen? You know, what can you take on in the morning so that I can get that walk in? They'll figure it. They'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and I think also it was something that I struggled with and I, I incorporated and I got really good at you know, like now I need my time and I'm going or on Mm -hmm. Sundays I go ride my bike. But 
I noticed that my husband had actually the same issues. <laughs> he had the same. He was like, I need to work, and then I'm and then I'm there for my kids because he mm-hmm. wants to be. He wants like this quality time, and he was seeking those the, the deep connection as well. But he felt like he didn't have the right to go, mm-hmm. and I'm like, no, like. We plan our schedule. We put the the kids two days pro two day school program on there. We put their extracurriculars. So now, what do you want to do? And so we made it happen. But it it really had to come from me mm-hmm. to say, don't forget about yourself. Like like now, I I created the space for me. But now I see that you're not doing it. Yeah. And it's just you know it's it's okay. Now we have to drive to pick up because we reduced to one car. We have to drive to pick up my husband from soccer. And my kids have to come. And they and get yeah. to see their dad playing soccer. That's awesome. Yes. But also like, you know, it's it's like, it's part of this. Usually we drive the kids, but now you have to come along because we have to do this. So it's, again, mm-hmm. it's it's part of uh, living together. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> balancing. And another thing that I wanted to say, if it's not so much self-care that you need, but if you're looking to get back into a profession or whatever passion project you have but was like a really defining point in our marriage was when my husband saw me talk about the business idea like before I started this to a friend and he had never you know he had never witnessed those conversations mm-hmm. and he saw me so engaged and so you know energized that he was like wow I didn't even realize how much this meant to you and this was you know, it was because we were living on one income, we were doing well, but but still, I wanted to do something outside of being mom. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to be more again and, and do something impactful. It was really a defining moment because it connected us so much more because in the whole getting through the days, we didn't have those conversations. We had mm-hmm. conversations about yoga. <laughs> we had conversations <laughs> about... And when I was asking him, hey, what should I do? What could I do? He never picked up on it. He, you know, he, he was like, well, what do you want to do? <laughs> but then when he witnessed that conversation with my friend, he was like, you're seriously engaged. You're seriously energized by this. It was amazing to see you like this. I hadn't seen you like this in so long. Mm. And when we think about it this way, it really is. You know, the kids are with us for a period of time, but our partners are going to stay. Supposedly, yeah. right? Supposedly, Hopefully, we yeah. for a long run, like you yeah. said. And so I think we have to make sure that we, we have enough conversations about ourselves mm-hmm. in our marriage, that we have enough about our goals. And, and really, our life has shifted so much with homeschooling, with me running a business. It has shifted so much with him working from home now and being more flexible that we see much more, many more opportunities. We, we think much more outside of the box right now and create our own thing. And, and I want people to know it is possible. Like, yeah. don't let yourself be boxed in by other people or what other people expect from you. Go after what you want and need. And you have the right to do that. The divine right and responsibility to do that too. Yeah, absolutely. Kirsten, thank you so much for this conversation. I really enjoyed talking about this with you and I think it'll be so helpful. Um, Why don't you make sure everybody knows where to go and find you? Of course, your links will be in the show notes, but I'm just, you know, so folks can hear it out loud. (laughs) 
Yeah, thanks. I really enjoyed our conversation too. Really, really important for people to hear, I think. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, they can find me under kerstinkirchsteiger.com mm -hmm. and the checklists that I mentioned, the mm -hmm. forward slash checklists, that's a freebie that I have. There's four editable, uh, well, there's four checklists that we use and then there's editable editable doc that you can use to make your own because I don't know your needs and your, yeah. your activities. What else do I have? Yeah, you mentioned the Work-Life Flow podcast. That's mm -hmm. where people can listen. That's it for now, yeah. I think. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here with us and for all that you do. It's beautiful. Thank you. Okay, so thanks for listening today. Um, remember to subscribe to the podcast. And if it was helpful, leave me a review. That really helps others find the podcast and join us in this really important work of um, creating a parenthood that we don't have to escape from and creating a childhood for our kids that they don't have to recover from. And if you're listening, grab a screenshot and tag me on Instagram so that I can give you a shout out um, and definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Laura Froyan PhD. Um, that's where you can get a behind the scenes look at what balanced conscious parenting looks like in action with my family. And plus I share a lot of other really great resources there too. All right. That's it for me today. I hope that you keep taking really good care of your kids and your family and each other, and most importantly of yourself. And just remember balance is a verb and you're already doing it. You've got this. <laughs>